live from Lane County, Oregon, it's the Bose No Show with your host, West Lane County Commissioner Jay Bosevich. And now, here's Jay. Good afternoon. And it's a typical fall day in the Pacific Northwest, overcast, a little light sprinkle here and there. But, you know, we pay for these those summer days about this time of year. Not too bad, though. That's why it's so green here and, and beautiful and trees grow really well, like our Douglas fir trees that are the best uh, building material in the world and, you know, so uh, so earth-friendly that they are uh, sequestering carbon that they do and, and being totally recyclable. Uh, it's just an uh, amazing place to live here in the Pacific Northwest. Broadcasting to you today from beautiful downtown Elmira, Oregon. Uh, where last time I talked to you guys, I think I was on location in Florence uh, speaking to you from there. That's the great part about an internet radio show is it can kind of go anywhere I can take a, tel- uh, a cell phone. Um, so we got a bunch to talk about here today on the Bose Nose Show. And if you want to get in on the conversation, you just have to dial us at 646-721-9887. And then you can just uh, press 1, and it lets us know that you have a question and you're not just somebody dialing in to listen over your phone, somebody that can't get to their computer possibly. Uh, And if you can't uh, dial into us, you can always send us an email at talk at krbnradio.net. and you, know, you can even do that between shows. If you have a subject you'd like us to cover or uh, a question you want me to answer on the next show, I'll try and get to it. So it's been a couple weeks since we've had a free-for-all show, and uh, a lot's gone on in, those, in that time. It seems like uh, I've had a couple really long days. I spent uh, a good uh, almost 18-hour day uh, last uh, Thursday where we, was it Wednesday or Thursday? Might have been Thursday. No, it was Wednesday. Yeah, it was Wednesday because I had to miss the show. Uh, <laughs> that's how the days are running together here, where uh, my day started out uh, with meetings at 8 o'clock uh, in downtown Eugene, and I ended up my day in Oak, Oak Ridge at a public hearing that I didn't get out of till 11 o'clock that night. And By the time I Drove back to beautiful downtown Elmira. It was pretty late. Um, that was a long day. Pretty controversial public hearing out there about a rock quarry that somebody wants to put in next to the town. Uh, as, as you know, anytime you talk about putting in a quarry, there's people that are always against it. And uh, then yesterday, I, I had a long day, too, because I had to drive up to Portland first thing in the morning. Oh, my God, I am so glad I don't live in Portland for the traffic. Took me three and a half hours to get there in the morning. Fortunately, I left way early because I was thinking I was going to have time to eat breakfast before the meeting in Portland. Uh, so much for that. And uh, spent the day talking about uh, clean air and new uh, toxic air um, emissions controls that the state of Oregon's trying to put in place through the Department of Environmental Quality. 
initiative that our governor Kate Brown has put forward, but I am on the uh, as the advisory committee for on behalf of the Association of Oregon Counties. Uh, kind of drew the short straw, I guess, because I've actually got a bit of a technical background, and I also sit on the Lane Regional Air Protection Authorities Board uh, and have the background there. Pretty interesting day there, but makes for a long day when uh, meeting starts at nine in Portland and gets done at five, and then you still got that long drive home. Uh, another about 15 to 16 hour day with all the driving. But uh, those aren't typical days. They're usually more during business hours or, or at least early enough in the evening and they're local enough that I can get home at a decent hour. But lots been going on. And in between there, there was a board meeting um, where something pretty controversial happened here in Lane County. Uh, something that is uh, required that the county look at every two years, which is the compensation for all elected officials at the county level. Um, it's required by statute that we form an elected officials compensation committee, which is a which we chose a bunch of HR professionals to be involved with, uh, both folks from uh, governmental entities uh, like ELCOG and um, City of Eugene to folks that are from the private sector like uh, Selco and some other large uh, employers in the area. Uh, and these folks get together and look at a bunch of data and decide um, whether there needs to be changes in the compensation for the sheriff, the DA, the assessor, and the board of commissioners uh, in Lane County and make a recommendation then to the budget committee, which involves our citizen members. And then the budget committee makes a recommendation to the board of commissioners, and then the board of commissioners takes final action on that. And that's supposed to happen every two years. Um, and then any changes in compensation can't happen until after the first of the year. And it always happens in a general election year. So that supposedly, um, you know, you have to stand election between decision time and when the raise actually takes place. But of course, um, not every position goes every two years because they're four-year terms. So as some of the folks uh, are in the middle of their terms like myself, so I won't stand an election until two years from now. Um, but in the uh, elected officials compensation committee, they, they decided that looking at other counties and what other folks get paid and for the size of our organization and everything else, that the sheriff deserved a small raise um, about $4,000, uh, probably about 3%. The uh, assessor was actually um, good with his salary. And the uh, I forgot to add the justice of, of peace is also in that list. Um, the DA was okay. And the justice of, of peace, which is, had been kind of a part-time position, it's become more full-time and doesn't require a um, law degree, but once you're into it, you basically become uh, like an attorney because you have to get, you have to really study the law quite a bit. Um, was really grossly undercompensated. We gave them a, 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 a very large raise uh, up to up to the whopping salary of fifty some thousand dollars um, to to make decisions in court. Um, 
almost full time is still pretty undercompensated. It, it, it's uh, so that that was the recommendation of the compensation board, and then they also recommended that board of commissioners get a ten thousand dollar a year raise, which was equivalent to thirteen percent, because they hadn't had a raise since two thousand and eight, and it had really fallen behind all the comparators, um, and particularly when you look at who the board of commissioners hires and supervises and interacts with in, in the county structure um, paid less than a good portion of county employees. So that was a recommendation that came out of the committee and it went to the uh, budget committee. Now the board of commissioners sits on the budget committee along with five citizen appointees um, of the commissioners and the original proposal was to vote on the three changes in compensation, the three raises, um, as one motion. And I made a motion to split them and got everybody to agree to split it up into three votes. And the sheriff's increase passed unanimously. Um, there is one committee member that wasn't present at budget committee, so it was a seven, it was a nine-zero vote. Um, and then the um, Justice the Peace was a 9-0 vote, unanimous approval. They got to the commissioner's salaries. Um, it was a 7-2 vote with myself voting against it. And uh, Dale Stoneberg, who is a, a citizen member, voted against it. Uh, all, all the rest of the budget committee voted for it, including the other four commissioners. So it gets to um, the board of commissioners. And once again, it was tied in a single board order to do all three changes as one motion. And I asked that we separate it or at least take preliminary motions on each separate item. And uh, we took took up the sheriff first and that was a unanimous 5-0 vote in support of that. Took up the justice of the peace, unanimous 5-0 vote. Then we took up the commissioner's salaries. Uh, and after a little bit of discussion and all where I, I talked about how we had saved um, basically one and a half million dollars over the last five years by cuts that we took in our compensation and also our office budgets and eliminating the halftime assistance that the previous board had put in there. Um, that you know we did all that to save the county money and then you know to turn around and give ourselves 13% was too much of an increase too fast, even though we had taken a 2% cut in compensation the first year uh, at my urging the first year I became a commissioner um, that you know we shouldn't that we should make it up try not to make it up so quickly and do something slower uh, you know take smaller you know you know smaller increases if we're going to take any um, my um, arguments in old sway Commissioner Farr just kind of gave a kind of wishy-washy statement about it, how he felt uncomfortable. When it got to the vote, um, there, you know, everybody knew up front because I stated that I was going to be voting no, that I was going to be voting no. Um, three yes votes were 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 uh, verbalized, and seeing that, Commissioner Farr voted no with me, um, and then. When it got to the final motion of doing all three, as the board order was originally written, the vote was actually 4-1, uh, where Commissioner Farr voted for that motion and I voted against it. So 
I voted against the commissioner's raises all three times it came up uh, in the to to be voted on. Commissioner Farr voted no, voted yes on the commissioner's raises, then voted no, and then he voted yes again. So um, it, somehow or another, the Register Guard uh, conveyed that as um, that was a 3-2 vote against the commissioner uh, for the commissioner's raises. Um, it was actually a 4-1 vote in final order. Um, I was the only person that voted no all three times on the commissioner's raises. Um, and after that, uh, the next day, I had already turned in my United Way um, charitable giving form because I do take a portion of my public salary and give it to charity already. And I doubled the amount that I was giving to United Way the next day when I found out we were getting the raises um, and, and gave, uh, you know, so just was able to increase uh, what I my the significant amount I already give to, to basically double it. So that, that's kind of the story of the raises. Um, and yeah, yes, they will take effect. And and you know the headline looks terrible. Ten thousand dollar raises. They voted in for themselves. The only person that can give us any change in compensation under our charter. And it's right in section 25 of the Lane County Home Rule Charter. The only people that can deal with compensation for any employee of the county, we set the compensation for everybody, is the Board of Commissioners. And it and it makes sense that we set our own compensation because if you think of like the board of uh, U.S. Bank, who are probably compensated because they have to probably trap you know the boards, you know movers and shakers from all over the country that are voted in by the stockholders, uh, um, you know, meetings probably and one big annual meeting or something like that at the fly into New York or wherever the, the board meetings are. Um, they probably have some kind of compensation. Um, and the only people that can vote that compensation is that actual board because they control the corporation, just as the board of commissioners controls the county finances and the county government. Uh, there's nobody else that can have the authority to give us change our compensation. We have to do it ourselves, contrary to the, to the register guards pleading for, for some other method. It's something we just have to do. And then we have to, you know, just like the, the board of U.S. Bank has to face their stockholders if they vote themselves million-dollar salaries, uh, we have to face the voters with that. And Really, the, the, the headline of the $10,000 or 13% sounds really awful, but if you go back to 2008, which was the last, last time the Board of Commissioners got any sort of increase, um, it works out to about 1% a year. Uh, so that's really not a very um, lucrative amount of increases. It's just that they got held off and there are all those years that, that um, and, and in fact, once I got sworn in in 2011, we took some pretty significant cuts and saved a lot of money. Um, you know, it, it's in comparison uh, to the amount that they've been foregone over those eight years, uh, the 50000 that it's going to cost over the next year um, is pretty small compared to the $1.5 that we've saved in cuts. So, Hopefully it won't be too terribly controversial. I didn't put it fully, but we really, um, you know, it's one of those things you have to do. 
and it's a process that's required by statute, um, and it's not a very comfortable process. Uh, you know, I just no one was kind of listening to me and trying to think about could could we have changed at least the amount for the commissioners to make it not so crazy, um, because people don't remember that it's been eight years. They only see 13 percent, ten thousand uh, dollars. If we could have done. 2% this year and 2% next year, and then worried about where we were in two years when we did study again, um, I think that would have been a lot better for uh, us public relations-wise and a lot better for the county. Um, felt the same way when it got to the raise for our county administrator uh, last summer. I voted against that also because I felt like we could have stretched it out over a couple of years. So want to talk to me about the raise, you can give me a call. Six four two one nine eight eight seven. Just press one if you want to get in on the conversation, or you can email us at krbnradio.net. Um, that's talk at krbnradio.net, um, and we'll try and have a conversation here, hopefully. So I touched a couple things there. That cleaner air project. Um, going to be interesting because, you know, it's kind of a reaction to Portland basically finding out that uh, glass factories that were uh, putting out some heavy metals into some neighbors uh, in Portland that they had they had no idea about until they did some, um, some detailed studies with Moss uh, that the Forest Service helped them with that discovered that. Uh, and now there's a big uproar and, and they want to, you know, got to do something. And uh, unfortunately, the, the process may get hijacked by activists who want to have the new, quote, cleaner air program cover like 400 new chemicals uh, that the DEQ does not regulate right now, even though a lot of the chemicals on that 400 chemical list that they're trying to adopt from another state, no one even makes or produces those in the state of Oregon. <laughs> yeah, so that it, it, it would add a whole bunch of work for DEQ to have absolutely no health impact. DEQ right now is backlogged in just trying to do the permit requirements for air um, pollution discharge permits they have right now. They can't process the level of permits and they're not doing the level of enforcement monitoring they should be doing. And, you know, to try and make this program cover the entire state, existing facilities, no matter how small, 400 chemicals and all that stuff, only thing it's going to do is absolutely overwhelm the Department of Environmental Quality. They won't get anything done. Uh, it's going to chase businesses away from Oregon when they see that level of regulation. And at the same time, there won't be a net health effect. It'll be difficult for us to recruit because of that uncertainty. And in the, in the, in, so one of the things as I'm on that committee, I'm trying to stress is let's look at what's a, a concern in Oregon. You know, what is currently the industry, because this applies to industry. It's not about mobile sources like cars or uh, home wood heating with fire with with wood, um, you know that that that's uh, not what it covers. It's about industrial sources. So what's produced here in Oregon? What's of concern to these neighbors neighbor these um, 
low-income neighborhoods and neighborhoods of color in Portland and wherever else they might be, and let's go after those things. And DEQ has already done some work where they identified 52 chemicals of concern in Oregon. And why not just go with those 52 that they've already identified and start working on either a geographic region, so it's a, a small number of companies that they're trying to deal with and have some impact on those neighborhoods that are having a problem now, than trying to go 400 chemicals, every facility in the state, and ultimately not get anything done because DEQ won't be able to um, put the staff together to even come close to that. And there'll be a 20 year backlog of people trying to get that kind of permit and if they can't get the permits, does that mean they have to shut down? Is that going to make them be, you know, liable for not having a permit with the public? You know, it just would be horrible. Um, but it's kind of one of those things that gets cooked up. And as I look at the committee that I, mean, I sat in that room, there's 24 people on the committee. And I would say um, out of the 24, uh, a good 16 were environmental activists or um, community activists that, uh, that are going to probably support the 500 different chemicals and apply it to everybody model. Uh, hopefully my voice will be heard and they'll, they'll, they'll uh, think about trying to keep the program uh, reasonable and scale it up over time as, as DEQ gets that capacity, but they just don't have the capacity to jump into that huge program. Um, and I'm a little concerned that if they go too heavy, that they'll just, you know, with Measure 97 also pending, who the heck wants to open a, a, a manufacturing business that might actually have to get an air pollution permit and deal with Measure 97 in Oregon? <laughs> and uh, speaking of tax stuff, there's a lot going on there. Um, a couple articles in the paper, first it was about property taxes might go down and then the, today's is kind of a correction oops uh, the assessor made a little bit of a mistake they're actually probably going up for most people because property values are going up but there is going to be a generalized um, reduction for some people because lane county and the board of commissioners reduced the amount the jail levy is going to be assessing people from 55 cents per thousand down to 38 percent cents per thousand for the next couple of years of the levy uh, because it was actually bringing in more money than we needed to make the promises that we promised in that that levy that it's paying for those uh, jail beds and those uh, youth uh, treatment beds just as we said it would and we wanted to just make sure that we weren't collecting too much money and building up a big reserve um, so uh, in keeping with our promise and spending the money exactly the way we wanted uh, we promised folks it was going to be spent there was no reason to collect 55 cents anymore 38 for the next two years was going to be enough so depending on where you are in lane county and how fast your your properties um you know increasing it, it'll depend on whether your prop your taxes go up a little bit or they might stay about the same they might even drop a little bit um but it's not significant this year. So I don't think there's going to be big surprises when you open up that envelope from the assessor's office. But uh, taxes are always in the news in Oregon. Uh, Measure 97, um, you know, all those things. Uh, and as we, we, we're looking at that, you know, today we had a uh, work session, uh, joint elected officials with the city of Eugene um, 
city council and mayor uh, at lunchtime. We talked about courthouse and city hall and downtown planning. Um, so if you want to talk about that a little bit, we can. It's probably going to be on the news tonight. KVAL, KMTR were there with their cameras uh, recording the meeting. So uh, if you watch the evening news tonight, you might see something about downtown in the courthouse and a bunch of us sitting around a, a big square table and watching the PowerPoint because um, it's pretty hard to, to talk about that stuff unless you're looking at maps and, and schematics and diagrams. Interesting stuff. Um, making a hundred year decision downtown right now, the, the Board of Commissioners and the City Council. What we decide as far as planning for City Hall is, is, and the courthouse is gonna have a long-term impact in how downtown looks. So really important decisions coming about. Interesting thing today was no one brought up the Eugene Water Electric Board headquarters that's gonna be coming available. And, and there's been some talk about maybe moving City Hall there uh, ex with the exception of one citizen that testified at the end of the meeting um, and and basically said uh, what about what about the uh, eweb site uh, for city hall and moving city hall there and, and uh, then the county could take the old city hall lot and then the whole block uh, the the butterfly lot could become farmers market and uh, open space um, so it'll be interesting to see how that all falls out. Uh, that that didn't really get wrapped in the discussion. And, uh, you know, of course, we can get into some national news, too. Um, I threw something up on Facebook today, and, I, you know, sometimes you put stuff on Facebook and no one comments, and sometimes it seems to start a firestorm. And I just happened to put something up there um, about the, the Veritas project and the videos that they took uh, covertly of some folks talking about actual voter fraud and and, and doing things um, to influence elections by busing people into an area and uh, getting them to vote and how they you know once they get them there they distribute them to private vehicles and you know make a short trip so the bus isn't like pulling up to the polling place. Uh, and it just it, it's scary, and it comes on on the the heels of you know of course uh, Donald Trump talking about voter fraud um, and, and rigged uh, quote rigged elections, um, and it's a scary thing because uh, the tendency to go towards uh, early voting, absentee, mail-in ballots, et cetera, uh, is right for voter fraud in some ways. And I don't mean in a large scale way. Is, this is, you know, small scale stuff. I don't know if it'll sway an election or not. Um, but it is scary when you start hearing about some of this other stuff that Veritas taped where that's actually pretty large scale. Um, what I'm more familiar with from my view as a candidate um, for elected office here in Oregon dealing with vote by mail uh, my last election was pretty darn close, uh, if people remember. Uh, 78 votes, I think, was the total I won by out of uh, about 20-some thousand. And that uh, was also the first election a new piece of legislature was in effect where after the initial count and, uh, of, of votes, of ballots, uh, within so many hours, the clerk had to make available to uh, 
candidates, and it doesn't matter what race, but of course, unless it was a close race, this doesn't matter too much, a list of people whose ballots were not counted because the signature didn't match or the envelope wasn't signed or some other issue like that. And then you could go out and start chasing these people to, to get in and, and, and verify their signatures and sign their ballots and all that stuff, show it's their signatures. So you get a list of, of you know, three or 400 people that need their ballots, quote, perfected. Um, and of course, you know, I've got a I've got a list. I've also got the voter registration database, so I can tell that Joe Smith, whose ballot signature didn't match, is a Republican. So I know that, that because I'm a conservative, most Republicans usually vote for me. So I'm going to chase down Joe Smith and try and get him to to go in, into the elections office and perfect his ballot. Well, as I started calling folks. Um, and contacting them about this issue, uh, I came to find out that an awful lot of those folks, the reason the ballot, the signatures didn't match, was they got to the post office or whatever with their their their, their ballot and some and some family member, and the family member forgot to sign, and they signed for them, and lo and behold, it didn't match when it got into election, and of course they can't then uh, try and send that family member down. And, and in some cases, you know, the, the family member had gone back to college or something like that because it was a student or uh, it was a spouse and they were out of town. And they can't go back and perfect that because basically they're admitting that they, they committed voter fraud. Um, and so therefore, you know, those folks really weren't going to go in and fix their ballot. Did have a couple people where it was just a case of their signature changed over time. Um, but it was obvious to me that there is a, you know, I don't know how many every election of these these votes that get pulled because of mismatched signatures, but I have no knowledge of any time our Secretary of State in Oregon or the Attorney General's office has chased after those mismatched signatures and actually prosecuted somebody for voter fraud for attempting to get a ballot counted knowing that they were signing a, a, a uh, ballot submission as, as that, that wasn't their own. Has never happened in Oregon. So, you know, yes, you know, supposedly you sign when you, when you do your voter registration, but of course now with motor voter, you're not necessarily signing. Um, says right on there that you're subject to a $10,000 fine for, for lying on that form or for for any sort of voter fraud in the state of Oregon. Oregon has up to a $10,000 fine and so many years in jail. But if they never ever investigate and prosecute it, what good does that disclaimer you sign do? And, you know, as I went around as, a, as, a, as you know, knocking on doors uh, at, at pre-election and trying to ask people for their vote, I can't tell you how many times I knocked on a door and what was on the voter rolls and where a ballot was going to be mailed, those people that I asked for no longer lived at that house. Now, the question is, is did that ballot show up a couple weeks later to that house? And did somebody actually sign it? I, you know, I, I didn't keep close enough track and try and 
chase things like that down. Uh, there were a number of times where I was told, oh yeah, you know, she's she's in college and she graduated and she chose to stay there. She lives in, in Michigan now or something like that. It was a daughter or something. But yet they're still on the voters list and they were going to be mailed a ballot to that address because that's how I was going about my door knocking was based on, you know, going to the address of the voters. Um, and you also have to wonder how many times when you do vote by mail um, in a situation where, you know, this never happened in my house because my wife would, would kick my butt. Um, but, you know, where one spouse might um, actually fill out the ballot for the other spouse and just tell the spouse to sign the, the envelope, you know, and whether they and, and basically get the vote twice because they can bully their their spouse or significant other or even a child that's over the age of 18 into voting just the way um, daddy says so and and you know you'll sign this ballot you know if you're going to live in my house you're going to sign this envelope and that's all there is to it. Um, because that, that was the beauty of secret ballot places. You walked in, you pulled that curtain, your husband doesn't know what you're voting, or your dad. You know, it, it's just the system in an attempt to try and make it so easy for people to vote is now so easily fooled. You know, one person at a time, couple people at a time. You know, how much does that really happen? Um, and then, then you see systematic attempts at voter fraud, you know, like are showing up now in Indiana or in, in this Veritas uh, project tape um, where they're bus actually busing people in that were not legal voters of that district um, to cast, you know, ballots. Uh, it's a little scary. Um, whether it's actually made a difference in elections, I don't know, but I'm old enough and been around long enough to remember Dino Rossi running for governor in the state of Washington, coming in and actually being, the, you know, looking like he was winning the vote until they discovered a box of ballots in the King County elections office. Of course, King County's massively Democrat in the state of Washington um, that magically appeared, at, you know, was in somebody's car supposedly um, and those get counted, and suddenly uh, Dina Rossi is not the governor of the state of Washington, uh, and the Democrat wins. Um, you know, that's a case that was pretty darn sketchy, and, and uh, you know, you just kind of wonder, you know, is, is there anything that happens because who's actually investigating this stuff, and is there actually any um, attempt to investigate, uh, you know, we hear a lot of folks cry foul about supposed voter suppression by requiring photo IDs and all that, and they basically stopped that. Um, but no one cried foul when the Black Panthers stood outside polling places in Philadelphia, uh, armed, you know, armed with clubs uh, and uh, trying to keep people away from the polling place. Um, no, no one was ever arrested. No one was ever prosecuted. Um, you know, those, those sort of things. So the one thing I can say, though, is I guarantee that, um, you know, I know our, our election staff at the county. 
I trust our election staff at the county. In fact, one of the interesting things, we put out a press release today, you can actually track your, when your ballot shows up at the county um, through, the, through the internet. Um, track my ballot, I think, um, is, is the way it goes. If you kind of Google that, you can probably find it or just get go to Lane County Elections and they have a link to it. Um, so if you mail your ballot and you want to make sure it was actually received, you can make sure it actually got there. And the postman that, that knows because you have a, 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 a lawn sign that supports a candidate he doesn't like decides he sees that envelope and tosses it, um, you'll know that the ballot actually got there. Once that ballot is in the elections hands down down in, in Eugene there on, on Lincoln, that staff there is very professional. They also have observers that witness the handling of the ballots uh, from the different parties. And I can guarantee, pretty much guarantee, at least in Lane County, once the ballot is in our hands, there is no monkey business going on. What I can't tell you is whether there's any monkey business that happens beforehand, about whether there's people that have made up multiple identities that are getting mail ballots in the mail and whether those are being voted or not. No idea. No investigation of that aspect in, in the state of Oregon. No interest in investigating that aspect by our current Secretary of State, former Secretary of State for the last several years, or any of our Attorney Generals. So. Um, at least feel like if your vote gets there, it will be counted and it will be counted accurately. Um, and you can tell if your vote got there in, Lane, in, in Oregon now through this um, track my vote um, process. So cover a lot of ground here. So if there's anything else you want to cover, you can give us a call at 646-721-9887. Uh, just press one that lets Robin, our call screener, know you want to get in and uh, ask me a question or have a comment. Uh, take uh, the other side of something I said. Uh, it, it, you know, This is a free-for-all day. You get to control the conversation. If no one calls, I get to control the conversation. So we can talk about everything from voter fraud and, and it just amazes me um, this national election. You know, um, the the quote October surprise that was pulled off um, in trying to you know make Trump seem like this floundering uh, groper or whatever else. Uh, amazing me that somebody that is worth billions, if that was out there, why they wouldn't have been suing the crap out of them beforehand, a la Bill Cosby and the many other celebrities that have had the crap suit out of them. Um, it, why it all, all, all these uh, accusations come so late. Um, you know, now, that all said, the recorded comments of Trump's from uh, back in 2005 are just horrible. And um, having my wife um, worked for a firm that was a Trump uh, ven a vendor to Trump, and he was their one of their major clients. Um, you know, I don't think a whole lot of Donald Trump's personality, anyhow. Um, you know, whether some of that's true or not, but it just amazes me some of the other stuff that's been coming out about uh, Hillary Clinton that everyone wants to seems to gloss over. You know, from these Veritas tapes that basically show her organization was actually communicating with a super PAC, a 
criminal violation of federal elections law. You know, everybody hates super PACs because of, you know, Citizens United decision and all that stuff. But the whole point is you're allowed to have those unlimited contributions to an organization as long as they're not coordinating with a candidate. And if the candidate's campaign is coordinating with one of those super PACs, it's a major violation of elections law. And one of the tapes that Veritas made indicate that the Hillary campaign is communicating with a messaging with a super PAC. You know, it's just um, why that isn't front page news, I don't know. And it just adds to the criminal activities of her, of her and her campaign and her organizations along with, and it has nothing to do with WikiLeaks or anything like that. So this isn't Russian hackers. The FBI's notes on their investigation around her private email server, which she had classified information on, which that is not in doubt, and which would be criminal if anyone else had done it. In that investigation, there were notes and something that came up where a State Department staffer, after Hillary had left and and uh, and gone, was attempting to do a quid pro quo deal with the FBI to down classify some of the emails so that Hillary's statements that she, you know, her emphatic statements that I never sent any classified information to or through that server uh, could stay true. Um, that in itself, you know, is, is amazingly criminal. You know, it, it just, it, and, doesn't seem to you know be any big deal. They go, oh well, it wasn't really a, a quid pro quo, and it was just this one one guy that sort of said that. It's like no, several of the witnesses talked about that in in their in their I forget what they call them a three two o three or three three o two or whatever statement form that the FBI agents fill out as they're interviewing folks. It was verified by several people that this took place. Um, you know that that on top of um, the fact that there were actually paid activists that were sent out to instigate violence at Trump rallies by Democrat-leaning organizations um, is just amazing to me. I mean, you know, all those little riots and uh, what was it? There was one town in in California and and a couple other towns um, after Trump rallies. They were all instigated by paid operatives. Just you know, and, and some of the the confrontations during rallies, paid operatives. You know, it just um, that level of manipulation of the press um, and and the voters uh, just. You know, the ends justify the means. And I don't think you'd see that from a lot of campaigns. and You'll never see it from anything I'm involved with. Um, just amazes me how, you know, you know, who, you know, who cares if, if Trump walked into a locker room, a, a changing room at a beauty pageant compared to Hillary Clinton's campaign is involved in criminal election law, you know, 
communications with a super PAC. And Hillary, you know, staffers at the State Department tried to swing a deal with the FBI to bury information. It's just, um, you know, it, it just kills me. I mean, they were actually posting ads on Craigslist for protesters, as Robin's prompting me uh, by a message here. Always interesting working with a producer where we're not in the same room. She's actually in Springfield, beautiful downtown Springfield, um, home of the Simpsons, the real home of the Simpsons. Uh, and she, she messages me little snippets now and then trying to keep me on the straight and narrow. But uh, it just, you know, you start adding everything up uh, it, with Hillary Clinton's past. Uh, and apparently there was uh, uh, a national inquirer story. And of course, you know, I heard about this today on uh, talk radio. Um, everybody likes to make fun of the national inquirer, but they have broken some major stories that were true. They've got things wrong before, um, you know, because I can remember when they were breaking stories on Ted Cruz, uh, whether they were correct or not about his supposed infidelities. Um, but they actually interviewed uh, a guy that apparently back in the 90s was the media fixer for the Clintons and buried stories about um, sexual episodes of, of both Clintons um, by buying off uh, members of the press either in cash or with a uh, exclusive interview rights um, to the to the White House uh, and, and the Clintons. Um, if it's anywhere near true or even partially true, it's just hugely damning uh, for both Bill and Hillary. Uh, on top of everything else, um, that you know, goes back to the Rose Law Firm, Law Firm Billings and Whitewater and everything else um, that they've been involved with. Just um, is just, you know, what a history, you know, of 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 criminality or near criminality uh, and crony capitalism and use of a charitable foundation and speaking events and taking contributions from foreign countries through a charitable foundation, uh, you know, pay for play at the Secretary of State's office. Uh, you know, it, it just, um, it pay, you know, it pales any sort of um, misbehaviors by Donald Trump and who knows, you know, how long ago most of that happened, if any of it happened. Um, it's amazing um, the choice of the press and how much co coverage <clears throat> excuse me there frog in the throat they've given um, the Donald versus Hillary um, I, I think I saw a statistic that it was like seconds compared to um, you know tens of minutes uh, disproportionality um, so we can talk about that if you want. We can go back and talk about raises. We can talk about clean, you know, air toxics regulations. We can talk about Measure 97, courthouses, city hall, voter fraud. Um, we can get into drug testing elected officials. That was something that came up recently. Um, whether 
whether we should be drug tested. And there are times where I kind of look across the, at some of my fellow elected officials uh, up and down the ladder and, and kind of wonder if, uh, are you high, man? Uh, <laughs> maybe they do need to drug test us. But uh, give us a call here. It's free for all day, 646-721-9887. Just press one, and that lets us know that uh, you want to get in on the air here. Uh, and you can control the conversation. We'll talk about whatever you want to talk about. Uh, but, you know, I, I did have one other subject I want to get into today, partly because I want to make a plea. Um, we are in the middle at Lane County of doing a master plan for the next 20 years of what are, what's Lane County Parks going to look like. We have over 70 parks in our system. And they range from something as small as a boat ramp and the surrounding parking area for the boat ramp to things as large as Mount Pisgah and uh, everything in between. A lot of campgrounds. Um, and what we need to do is develop a master plan, you know, that guides us uh, of where we want to be with our park system and what our park system wants to look like 20 years from now. And we're looking for citizens to serve on a task force to develop that master plan and work with our consultant um, in development of that master plan. And if you're interested in parks and, you know, you're one of these visionary people that likes to look down the road, or even if you have an ax to grind because you live close to a county park and you want it to change or be closed or, be, or, or you know, have better maintenance, whatever it is, um, and you're interested in parks, um, we're taking applications through the, uh, our website uh, is one way you can do it. If you call our parks department, I'm sure they can get you an application um, until Friday. Uh, we extended the deadline to Friday um, to try and get as large a pool possible to make that appointment by. Uh, we listen to our advisory committees. And it's one of the things um, I'm pretty proud that Lane County does. Doesn't always end up in the decision I particularly care for. Um, but if we get a lot of public input and, uh, you know, where people are concerned about something, we will, um, you know, take initiative from the public, in, public input, try and gather more public input, and we make decisions based on that public input. And so this is the start of a process uh, that we kind of stopped and put on hold because there hadn't been enough public input. And this is your opportunity to get involved kind of on the ground floor of how are Lane County parks going to look in 20 years. Uh, pretty important, pretty big system. You know, there's some folks that think maybe the county shouldn't be managing parks. You know, we've, we've got enough trouble trying to keep um, deputies out on the road and uh, people in jail and prosecuting folks. Um, we should concentrate on public safety and uh, repairing streets and, you know, doing other things that counties normally should do. And we should, you know, a park district should be formed in the county and a separate governance and separate, you know, dedicated tax revenue to the park system. Um, you know, is that what looks parks look like 20 years from now? Um, should we just get out of the parks business in general and sell the property off to private private ownership. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to trying to stir this a little bit because 
uh, we had actually proposed in, in the initial draft of the master plan selling off 40 acres down in the Florence area that got some of the neighbors that live up against that 40 acres pretty upset with the idea that it might actually go into a private developer's hands and ultimately become a subdivision because um, they kind of have their own private uh, open space behind their house right now because it's not accessible to anyone else in the county as it's currently configured because it's a landlocked 40 acres of land. <laughs> Um, so you got interest in parks. Uh, we've got an advisory committee for you to serve on. And, you know, there are multiple advisory committees out there. In fact, right now we are looking for two, mem two additional members of our planning commission. And, you know, I mentioned the fact that we had a big public hearing up in Oak Ridge about a rock quarry. Uh, that was approved by our planning commission on an 8-0 vote. And um, we really should have uh, uh, nine members on our planning commission, but one seat's currently vacant. We got one that's going to be vacant. And I desperately, uh, we need somebody, one of those seats is reserved for somebody that lives on the Oregon coast uh, and west of the tunnel, essentially, in western Lane County. Um, so hey, you, know, you folks over there in Mapleton and Florence and Deadwood that might be listening, uh, Dune City, anywhere in that general area uh, and are interested in land use. These, yeah, and th this planning commission makes some pretty hefty decisions and recommendations to the board um, and, you know, really can actually steer some of our land use planning uh, because our long range um, uh, uh, planning uh, Proposals go through this, uh, things like these quarries and exceptions go through this as we make changes to our code. Um, we're rewriting our chapter 13 right now of our land use code is going through the planning commission. Uh, it's a place where you can actually um, make a pretty big difference in how Lane County looks. The, the other seat is open to anyone that lives anywhere in the county. So if you're interested in land use and land planning, We've got two opportunities there to serve for you. We have lots of other committees, um, everything from uh, we have a mental health advisory committee to a public health advisory committee. We've got a, um, you know, our roads advisory committee. We, you know, just, you know, there's a function the county does. There's probably an advisory committee for that function and that citizens can get involved with and help um, provide input in steering uh, county policy um, and how we we go about some of these activities. So always an opportunity. And, you know, if, if you don't want to be involved with the county, almost every city has got similar advisory committees. And there are also um, site committees and budget committees and whatever else for every school district in this, and, you know, every library district. Uh, if there's, you know, if you want to be involved as a citizen and start, you know, changing things, everybody wants to talk about, you know, we're tired of the established and all, all that stuff in national politics. Um, local politics can become an establishment too and steered by just a select few that are involved. And if we don't get a wide variety of voices on these advisory committees, um, we're only hearing the voices of a certain, um, you know, set of folks that are the same set we hear from all the time in general. So 
you want to uh, get involved, uh, you know, that's one of the great ways to get involved. So again, uh, listening to Bo's News Show, we're having a free-for-all day. Uh, if you want to get in on the conversation, just press, uh, just dial 646-721-9887 and press 1, and we'll get you in on the conversation. It looks like we've got a call here. Um, if I can get it to come up. Okay, he's live. There we go. Thank you, Robin. Who I have on the line? Hi, hello, JD. Hi, this is Dale Sari over in Florence. Uh, work, hey, work Dale, how you doing? Business. I'm doing fine. I, I've been over here for, oh gosh, since early 70s when I started working in the sawmills and then later went into real estate. And for years I've watched uh, uh, massive you know, uh, out-migration of younger people uh, that just didn't have any jobs left. We've pretty well outlawed logging and fishing and, and farming. And I'm wondering, uh, over the years, I have seen so much regulatory burden through Lane County's uh, land use uh, planning department come down that it makes it almost impossible for a normal person to thread the needle and get through the process. And I'm wondering, is there any hope of any real change? I mean, I've heard for years there's going to be change, but my experience as a real estate broker and talking to many, many people, friends, developers that work, that hire people, that there is uh, uh, no end in sight, and that while I've seen some improvements in access to the information uh, about uh, where your permit is, for instance, and that type of thing, uh, I have not seen any let-up on the zoning uh, issues. Uh, and just to give you an example, uh, I wanted to build a, a pole barn uh, on my three acres uh, south of Florence a, a year or three years ago, actually. I started on this process. And I couldn't uh, build it because the pole barn was, quote, on the opposite side of the street. And when I pointed out to the planning department that it was... Uh, uh, all my property and that I had vacated the street, um, you know, it, it was just one hurdle after another. They wanted to study uh, beaches and dunes hazards checklist, 1600 bucks, three yeah. months to study the drifting sand, and I'm in timber. And yet they insisted yeah. on going through that process, and I paid it. So I guess what I'm saying is, is there ever going to be any real change? Is there anybody that's got the guts to do what Donald Trump is doing on the national level and call a spade a spade? Yeah, well, it's, yeah, and, and I'll have to say that, unfortunately, we are um, bureaucratic stuff like the beaches and dunes. We we can't, as a county, waive those overlay zones that were required under state land use law, which gets back to Senate Bill 100. Um, no, 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 that's inaccurate, Jay. That's inaccurate, yeah. completely inaccurate. I've studied land use laws and worked for the Oregon Senate doing research on this for years. Each county can do periodic review, and during their periodic review work process, they can amend and change those plans. It's up to the individual counties to make the request. But to just palm this off onto the uh, LCDC uh, is completely mm -hmm. inaccurate. And so I guess the first yeah. thing we need to do is make sure the commissioners understand that that's not true. And number two, 
that there can be something done if the planning director during periodic review actually stands up on his hind legs and says, this is killing jobs, it's killing progress, mm -hmm. it's killing our tax base, we need to get out and create jobs and we need some regulatory relief. And I want to know what can you as a commissioner do about it? Your one voice. Well, uh, I'll definitely look into whether we would be able to, to eliminate the beaches and dunes overlay, but my understanding is in order to meet the um, some of the goals that the, the, the goals that only apply to the Oregon coast, there are four of them that do, um, we had to adopt that overlay as part of our um, rural comprehensive plan to get it approved by LCDC. Um, but I'll take a look at that because, you know, it's certainly, um, I, I certainly have had many a constituent call me about having to go through that $1,500 process. And there was a while there when we were understaffed that people were being told that that was going to be at least a six-month process. And they were pretty sure they were going to get the approval through it, but it was taking so long to get them. And then the next, you know, they can't apply for their building permit until they've gone through that review process. So I, I do agree there is a problem there. Um, well, here's my, the other thing. You know, this, you're, you're, I, I, think, uh, I think I'm misstating what I'm trying to say here. The yeah. beaches and dunes is required. That's one of the 19 statewide planning goals. That's not a question. The interpretation and the restrictions at each municipality, that, that's where the rub comes in. That line is an arbitrary line. And I'm over on the east side of 101 over in Big Timber. Even though the county's own mm. website says it's Billards for Rillo Loam, they still want to say, oh, no, it's beaches and dunes. That line can be changed. That's specifically what I'm getting at. The interpretation. Yeah. The maps can be changed. Yeah. Well, that I will look at. One of the things you get into, and it, this isn't a very good excuse, um, when you when you change a line like that, um, then you kind of open yourself up to um, people. Uh, if you go into a process where you're going to change a line like a beaches and dunes line, you basically are opening up your inventory, yeah, yeah, uh, for for all sides to try and push that line in every direction, um, and, and you may be opening up other parts of our of our comprehensive plan for for um, review and objection. It becomes a, I know, you know, one of my issues right now is we we adopted the national wetlands inventory as our goal five resource for wetlands. It's not accurate. Um, it doesn't show half the wetlands in our county, and some of the ones it does show aren't really wetlands. But if we try to fix just that one, you know, any part part of that inventory, we have to do an entire Goal Five inventory resource inventory for the entire county, and it becomes a a million to to five million dollar project that we just don't have the resources to to, to jump into. But I don't know if I could, we can do beaches and dunes, the mapping line. Well, and it, we can it, make it, it's just not that. that. I mean, you know, once they once they got through the beaches and dunes process, then I couldn't still build on the opposite side of the street. I had to build another home to build my shop. So three years later, and three hundred thousand bucks later, I finally got to build my twenty-five thousand dollars shop. 
And uh, I, I don't know about you, but I'm just flat disgusted with all the excuses and all the government bureaucracy and all the political correctness. And I think it's time that people start standing up and saying, hey, enough. You're killing jobs. You're killing the economy. You're killing the tax base. We don't even have money for our vital resources like schools and, and things like that. And at some point, we've got to grow up and we've got to stiffen up. Yeah. Yeah. If yeah, we were cutting timber, I had to go along with to it. do something with it. Yeah. 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 So, so we Dale, just don't have to, I, I, I guess I'm saying fight, fight it or, or we, we roll over and walk to the delousing chamber hand in hand. But this is a bunch of baloney, yeah. and it's time people stand up and do yeah. something about it. Yeah. Well, I, I, I offer you an opportunity to get involved in doing something about it. We need, we need a coastal representative on our planning commission. Uh, so, you know, feel feel free to put an application in. I, I know you're a busy guy, but uh, if you have the time to, to sit on our planning commission, I would love to have your voice there. Well, that's something to think about. I, I, I know it is. It's hard when you're working to attend meetings and all yeah. of that when you're you know working 12, 14 hours a day. But uh, I appreciate the offer. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know it's tough, but and I'm having a really tough time trying to get somebody, um, somebody in from the coast. I, you know, I get get somebody to serve for a while, and then they they uh, they drop out. Um, but it'd be really great to get somebody with your point of view on on the planning commission because that's you know that's one of the first places the planning director and planning staff need to hear that sort of you know that sort of issue but i don't i don't disagree with you there have been a couple cases where i've gotten involved for constituents that were just crazy in fact uh, one just made the capital press um, up in salem uh, where uh, uh, jesse bounds who has a hay farm outside of junction city that burnt uh, his barns burnt down last uh, you know, late spring well lo and behold the division of state lands gets a complaint from a neighbor that, quote, when he's rebuilding his barn, that he's actually was originally built over wetlands. Um, and even though the barn had been there and permitted and and he was reconstructing it in the same place, they stepped in and basically said, oh, we think you might have had wetlands under there and you're going to have to prove the negative that there weren't. Now, mind you, he capped his property with about two to three feet of gravel to put the barn, that was huge, Hey, hay barns on. <laughs> I mean, these are monstrous facilities. Um, Monster barns, yeah. Yeah, but there's no statute of limitations for DSL to step in. Um, so, uh, you know, well, uh, well, so much for farming and forestry that were supposedly, uh, you know, that that's been used rather effectively against us uh, yeah uh, people that are working over here and trying to make a living on farms and forest land uh, you know well, we're here to preserve the prime farm and forest land but it's so disingenuous and i've seen so much yeah. of this kind of activity whether it's with the spot at all or okay. whatever and i'm just sick of it yeah it's it's a tool it's being used to control us um and I, I don't disagree. We do need to stand up and say we're not going to take it anymore, and we need to start pushing back where we can. And I probably need to do a little bit more of that. And it's kind of great to have your call today, Dale, to to just remind me to kind of stand up and, and rattle the cages a little bit more uh, and try and work towards less bureaucracy 
um, one of the things I have been working towards is trying to have some dual paths on some of these permitting where we, if you have a simple, if you meet certain requirements, you qualify as like a simple permit and you go into line A and it's, it's a one page form and the permits like guaranteed. But if you have, you know, if there are questions about whether your property and, and application actually meets the criteria, then you go into the B part of the process where you might actually have to, um, hire professionals to help you get through the process. But um, mm -hmm. we do need to we do need to think about how can we just make this whole thing easier? Because it seems like yeah. um, we forget yeah. people own that property in the first place. It's their property. We need to find a way to say yes. Right. So I appreciate the call, Dale. Yeah. Kind of held you, you over here and went past, past my time. Call, call okay. back well, anytime no in the future. This future. So, Thank you very much. Thanks very much, Dale. And this is it for the Bose Nose Show this week. Next week, I am going to actually be out of the country, and we'll have a replay of some previous, uh, and I'll be back the first week of November, taking my first vacation in 18 months with a wife. So uh, thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you in a couple weeks. And good night from beautiful downtown Elmira. 